The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Rival Fantasy has basketball props, baseball props, all the sports. Check it out. RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER. PLAYER to get refunded up to $50 of any losses. The promo code is PLAYER on Rival Fantasy. Check it out. And takeaways from the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl, it happened. It was so good. Wasn't it good? Wasn't it a good game? Wasn't it spectacular? You look at the score, you're like, how could it be better? It's not possible. 38-35? It's, there's, no, there's no game scenario you could imagine that would be better than that. The last time the Eagles played the Super Bowl when they faced the Patriots, it was actually a more spectacular game with a few more points scored. But, I mean, that's what the Eagles do. When the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, incredible shootouts erupt. I guess that's our first takeaway. Why not? Why not? That's our first takeaway. But, but, this particular game was interesting in that it was one of the most anticlimactic great games ever. Great game. Awesome game. But, the ending was disappointing. And that's not just because I'm, I'm a raging Eagles fan. Like, have we seen this? All these hats from when I was a kid? And I was a big Randall Cunningham fan. Look, 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 look at all these hats. Right? I have all these hats. I was wearing one of my hats. I was wearing one of my, my throwback early 90s ball caps. And I was feeling really good at halftime. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was feeling myself at halftime. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is what I told you so, everybody. Eagles, they got it. And then a uh, funny thing happened. Uh, the refs decided that they were going to inject themselves into the game. So here's what happens. Lay this out. All these football players, they work all offseason. They're training. They're running hills. They are taking exquisite care of their body. They're lifting weights. They're they're going through a grueling training camp process. They're getting concussed. They're, they're coming back from sprained knees. They're putting their body through hell. And they are also participating at the highest level of the sport in the highest, most watched game in all of sports right and then at the very end at the very end a guy that's not an athlete who's not a football player decides no 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 what about me i don't care about the concussions i don't care about all the lost brain matter i don't care about the torn ligaments i don't care about all the hard work i don't care about all the sweat don't care all those practices in the summer don't don't care. Why would I care? All the pressure, all the pain. Why would I let these guys experiencing this and, and equally, right? Like they're going through it equally. They're they're going through the same level of turmoil. I mean, they were both relatively healthy teams this year, so they they were blessed in that way, but they were performing at the highest level and the game was tied. Like it was anyone's game. They they both teams played incredibly well executed at a high level because the defenses were, were also played great. I've never seen a game where 
more than 70 points were scored where the defenses played as good as these defenses played. It's just the, the execution was so spectacular. It was exquisite. And for all of that, you add that all up, and it's a an exhilarating sports experience nullified at the end by a referee deciding, even if it was a penalty, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Let the players decide at that point. Unless it's egregious, it has to be egregious. It has to be beyond reproach. The guy has to be have his arms all the way around the other guy, tackling him to the ground, whatever. Okay, okay, right, fine. Throw the flag. Not up for dispute. Fine. Not only was this play disputable, it wasn't even a penalty. If you want to throw that flag in the third quarter, I don't care. You want to throw that flag in the second quarter? I don't care. You want to throw that flag in the first quarter? I don't care. You throw that flag with less than five minutes to go and the game on the line, tied, 35-35, you can't, you can't, it, you, it, it's, it has, it's impossible. You can't, ha- you can't let that happen. If you're Roger Goodell, you cannot allow that. You cannot allow it. And then Roger Goodell comes out and says, oh, well, you know, our officiator has never been better. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. What? (laughs) Just acknowledge, Roger. Acknowledge the problem. There's a problem. My solution would be every coach gets one penalty challenge. It's different. It's not challenging a play. It's challenging a penalty. If you believe that in a particular moment, it's especially game-deciding moment that a penalty should... Because you could challenge any penalty, and then it's over. You have one shot, right, if you're a coach. So you're going to hold on to that until the end. You're going to hold it. Everyone that has one of these penalty flags, they're going to hold it until the fourth quarter. And a lot of times the, the clock will expire, and the coach will have never used their penalty review flag. Fine. They review penalties in other sports. They review fouls in basketball. They review... Fouls in soccer. Why not review penalties and fouls in the NFL? That you could they, then you then you have the drama of the coach throwing the flag. It's a different color. Maybe it's an orange. I don't care. Right? Make it whatever color you want. Blue. Right? Okay. Throwing the the blue flag. Oh, they're going to go to the replay and actually know the guy's arm went around him, but it didn't actually in, 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 inhibit him at all. It's fine. The receiver lost no momentum. There was no foul there. So this this is the second time the refs have interjected. Now, the previous time when there was a, the late hit out of bounds against the Bengals, well, that was indisputably a penalty. Clearly, they had stepped out of bounds and then the, the hit came in late. Yes. Okay, you can't, you can't tell me that wasn't a penalty. It was a penalty. This wasn't even a penalty. And yet, I don't believe that that flag should have been thrown against the Bengals. Because even if it is, it's off the field of play. It wasn't affecting the outcome of that particular play. Put your flag in your pocket. Don't interject yourself into a game that's being played by real athletes making real sacrifices. Who the fuck are you to do this? Who are these people that think they can just, oh, well, I got I to gotta, I gotta make a judgment call here. No, you don't. No, you don't. Infuriating. Yes, I'm an Eagles fan. Kind of. I was as a kid, and I did pick the Eagles. Every week, I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. I was wrong. It didn't happen. I'm kind of upset about it. At the, I was like 
catatonic while this was all happening. I, I couldn't believe it. I was, my, my, my mouth was agape. I was like, is this happening? This can't be happening. I felt so bad for Jalen Hurts. I felt so bad for the players, right? And then they zoom in on the guy on the sideline who committed the act. It wasn't even a a penalty. They've done it both times. Both times. They zoom in on the guy. They had the flag thrown on him, the defender, right? And my my daughter plays defense in soccer, and I'm like, I'm preparing her mentally for this. Like, listen, you're only going to get maximum publicity when you make a mistake. People are going to care the most about what you're doing just after you've made a mistake. Just understand that as a defender, it's unfair, right? You could have a wide receiver go out, run the wrong route, nobody notices, the ball goes somewhere else, no one cares. It's a totally unfair standard that defenders are held to, and then the camera's zooming in on them with tears in their eyes on the sideline. This is now two consecutive weeks of NFL action where this has been the case. So I was disgusted by the referees, disgusted by the media. And I talked to people, they're like, listen, this is why I don't watch the NFL. This is why I only watch the Super Bowl. The games are four hours, too many flags. I can't believe how many people have told me that. There's a lot. And I'm always like, really? There's that many? I didn't know that was a big issue. Up until this year, I didn't know. I really didn't know. I didn't. It didn't hit me. This year, it's really hitting me. In the two games that matter the most... For them to be decided like this, it's just unfortunate. It's it's really unfortunate because it was such a great game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at the score. Oh, my God. And so big question is, like, how did I watch the game? Of course, it was on the Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector. And I happen to have the 120-inch optional silver flex screen. This was all sent to me by our friends at Epson. Their sponsorship these next couple months is driving the innovation of playerprofiler.com. New shows coming out on the network. It's exciting stuff. It blows people's hair back. So we had people over and they were like, wow, it's, it's, it's big, but it, it goes with the room. And someone made a great observation. They're like, if you're in the kitchen and it's attached to the living room, you can watch TV comfortably from the kitchen. The way the math works... 120 inches is technically twice as big as an 85-inch TV. Get a calculator out, I swear. It has great utility as well as uh, yeah, a little uh, wow factor with your friends. Go to Epson.com slash podfather, Epson.com slash podfather. You can learn all about the Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So... My friends were impressed. Also, the food. A couple uh, mansion lifestyle hacks on the food. First and foremost, my wife made this pulled chicken, and it was uh, cooked all day in the crock pot. So if you don't have a crock pot, that'd be my advice. Get a crock pot. You can just put a brisket in there. You can put chicken in there, and you can cook it for a day. You just slow cook it on like 200, and then it just falls apart. Like beef that falls apart, chicken that falls apart. Everybody loves stuff that falls apart. Oh, my God, it's falling apart. Oh, my God, it's falling apart. So it was great. Love that. My daughter made taco cups. And the secret for the taco cups, you can do seven-layer taco cups or you you can make it with beef or whatever. Pulled chicken, even. uh, Is that you use the, the wonton shell. So you can buy these frozen wonton shells at the store. And it's a, a thin, crispy, light snack. Really good. So that that was a big hit. And then my wife may also made this her her signature coleslaw, which is made by she 
candies the almonds. So candied almonds. She makes can- you can smell it throughout the house. The candied almonds on the frying pan. And whenever I smell that, I'm like, oh my god, the coleslaw. Oh, right. So it's the coleslaw, the baked beans, the pulled chicken. It was really good. And then these, then these, you know, wonton shell taco cups. It was, it was special. It was a special meal. And uh, the, the friends loved. Our friends loved the food and the. Uh, 120 inch HD display was incredible. Now, when you look at this game, I, I I'm moving on from how much the referees ruined the end of the experience for me. I promise I will not mention it again. There's a lot of other interesting takeaways, and I know that you've all have heard this. You know, it's it's now you know, pushing uh, 24 hours since the game happened, and, and it has been uh, talked about on a loop. I know, I know, I know. I know. Now, Roger Goodell is coming out and he's just lying to your face. It's just it's just it's maddening. I'm over it as of this month right now. Now, no, now, now I'm over it. Now I'm over it. I swear I'm over it. I'm over it right now because I look back and it was amazing. The props we talked about played out. We got the the two catches. So the prop was one point five receptions for Justin Watson. He gave you the two catches. Bingo. Pacheco crushed his rushing prop. Bingo. And MVS under, too easy, right? Against those corners, against Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a complete non-factor. And it's fascinating that my case was because Marquez Valdez-Scantling would be a non-factor, they would have to rely on Pacheco. They would have to ask Travis Kelsey to be a superhuman individual. There's just too much. It was too much to ask Patrick Mahomes who was not 100%, the ankle not 100%. Ask him to do all this against the Eagles defense and then to score more points than Jalen Hurts, it seemed like an unlikely scenario would have to unfold. And then what happens? Travis Kelsey goes out, and yes, he was asked to do too much. So what did he do? He did too much. He went six for six, right? Travis Kelsey had a 100% catch rate. He's like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to catch six passes for well over 10 yards per target. So not 10-plus yards per reception, 10 yards per target, over 10 yards a target, super efficient, had one of the more efficient tight end performances you'll ever see. Mahomes limps around and puts up 38, and they win against one of the league's top defenses. This is, this is the thing that happened in the Super Bowl. This is, that's, that's the summary of the Super Bowl. Amazing. Amazing. Patrick Mahomes had his Willis Reed moment. He's limping around. But I will say, I will say, He's already one of the all-time greats. He now has two Super Bowls. He's 27 years old. Like he's already stamped his his ticket for the Hall of Fame. That's not a hot take. That's just obvious. That's just self-evident. That's what it is. But it's interesting. At age 27, Tom Brady already had three Super Bowls. So as young as Patrick Mahomes is and as spectacular as he's been, just a phenom in the league. He's still behind Brady. He's too, He's already behind. And then Brady went on to get another and another and another. And, and so the idea that Patrick Mahomes is going to play out to age 45, that's not happening. You only get so many chances against 31 other teams. You would think that he, after this Willis Reed moment, that it's, it's possible, it's in his range of outcomes, that he could be the greatest quarterback of all time. And yet so much ability, two Super Bowls already holstered, Right in the bank, and yet it's impossible. 
it's it's already impossible for him to overtake Brady. I mean, it's not impossible. It's possible, but it's so unlikely. To be 27 and to be this accomplished and, and this good, and yet to not have greatest of all time at your position in your range of outcomes is strange. It was weird. I was like, oh, God, what's Patrick Mahomes got to do to be the greatest of all time? Then I looked up and I was like, oh, it's not, it's not going to happen. Brady's already ahead of him. You know, he's already pacing behind Tom Brady. It's, no, crazy, crazy. So now for some speculation. I speculate that Sky Moore is going to be a lot more involved in 2023. Now, his snaps declined. I was, I was unhappy to see that his snaps declined. Like, he only had a handful of snaps in that game. Had that one touch. His snaps had jumped ahead. So, in the wake of Nicole Hardman going to injured reserve, being ruled out for the rest of the playoffs, against Cincinnati, his snap share went up over 50%. So, it was unclear. We didn't know what the snap share was going to be. What was the snap share going to be between Tony, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson? Didn't know. Got lucky with the second Justin Watson catch because he didn't play as much as we wanted either. They played a lot of Kadarius Tony, But, but, Kadarius Tony is in his third year in the league or second year in the league. No, Kadarius Tony's in only his second year. It feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's only, this is actually only Kadarius Tony's second year in the league with his second team. Sky Moore, just a rookie. Sky Moore was a young rookie. He came out after his junior year, one of the few small school players to come out early. In his final year in college, just as a reminder, 1,283 receiving yards, a 37% target share. Yes, this was a small school. Understood. Okay. 70% catch rate. And put that season up against anything Kadarius Tony has ever done. It's not even close. And they have similar games. They're similar slot flanker players. Gadgety, slot flankery guys. That's Sky Moore and that's Kadarius Tony. And so who is going to be the go-to receiver next year. Are they going to bring Juju Smith-Schuster back? Probably. I think he did enough. Don't you? I was impressed with Juju. Juju looked good, looked smooth, had the nine targets. He was the the definitive target leader, the go-to receiver, caught seven to nine. Again, he's not a a target depth hog, (laughs) right? I mean, basically his air yards per target was around six so super low super low average target depth it's fine right target distance not there never has been there for juju smith schuster they likely bring him back at a discount because that type of player without the 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 field stretching component he's gonna he's gonna command less money in free agency than paris campbell than dj chark so he'll probably be back with kansas city who is going to be the number two receiver who's going to be playing the most snaps opposite Juju Smith-Schuster. Will it be Tony? Tony's back. Tony's back making around $2 million. They're definitely going to bring him back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling's going to come back. And uh, Sky Moore. And I'm in a best ball draft right now, one of these one of these industry best ball drafts. And Sky's 12th round is over. It's a wrap. And Sky Moore uh, still available. I've been considering drafting Sky Moore. I preferred Paris Campbell and Chark over Sky Moore because of all this uncertainty. And the presence of Kadarius Tony playing a similar role, even though Sky Moore is better. So on the on the on the next 
the next round, I'm going to be looking at Sky Moore because it's very possible that he steps up and, and next year, you know, develops over the summer, takes his game to the next level. Again, he's still very young, and his role grows immensely tethered to Patrick Mahomes. There's just not a lot there. There's just not a lot there in Kansas City. They should draft one of these one of these playmaking rookies. If they drafted you know, Jaden Reed, someone like that, amazing, right? Amazing, amazing. And, you know, what we've learned from this is that every player has a cost. Every player has a cost because you would think that you lose Tyreek Hill and you're trying to rebuild on the fly. You're going to take a step back this year in hopes of competing again the following year. You develop all these young players. You have multiple picks in the first round. You develop all these. No, they, they actually played great. Some of them started. A lot of the new players they added. Juju was a great value. Nine targets in the Super Bowl. And if someone offers you the world for a player, right? Five draft picks. Five draft picks. And Tyreek Hill was looking for a $100 million deal. And you already have to pay Mahomes and Kelsey. And you want an offensive line that you can afford that's a quality offensive line to protect Patrick Mahomes. That offensive line played great. One of the more underrated units in the league. That's a takeaway. I'm guilty. I underrated the Kansas City offensive line. I have underrated their defense all year. I got to eat that. But no matter how game-changing a player is, no matter how good they are, if it's not the cornerstone quarterback, if it's not Mahomes, Prescott, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, you got to listen. You got to listen. And if someone's willing to pay you, again, five draft picks, a first round pick, a second round pick, a fourth round pick, another fourth round pick, a sixth round pick, overpay you for the privilege of then overpaying the player, you have to just say yes. You have to just say it. It seems impossible. Like in, in hindsight, that the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill and then won the Super Bowl seems hard to believe. With nine targets from Juju Smith-Schuster for 50 yards. That's what they got out of the wide receiver position. And they won with 38 points scored. If a team is willing to overpay for one of your auxiliary, your top auxiliary assets, that's not your franchise quarterback, and it helps you rebuild on the fly, you just say yes and you go ahead and rebuild on the fly like the Chiefs did, and then now look where we are. I, I, I'm, I'm still in shock. <laughs> you can tell. I'm still, I still can't believe this. They pulled this off, that the front office pulled this off, then the coaches pulled it off, and the players pulled it off. It really is so impressive. How can you not be? Are you not impressed? I'm so impressed. Again, I'm not going to mention the other thing that I'm not impressed with. The thing that I'm mad about, again, I haven't mentioned it. I'm, I'm now just appreciating what we saw. It's all that stupid bone. Okay. Another takeaway is that uh, it seems that Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith together are cursed. Separate, they're great. But together, they, they, something always short circuits. And in that game, that Jalen Hurts fumble was inexplicable. It was inexplicable with the exception of the possibility that he got nervous. And typically in these, these you know, football games, it's very, very rare that you know, you'd see a, a player short-circuiting over nerves. But this is the Super Bowl where they, well, we talked about when Ahan was trying to convince us to take Kansas City and, 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 and Shervon was like, yeah, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes, but I think I have to, but I don't want to. 
Why is that? Because they've already been these moments. They've already been through it. And so often we see teams get to the Super Bowl, lose, and then they need to come back, and then they can get all the way there. There needs to there's either a championship game, a conference championship game, or a Super Bowl where it's clear the team just wasn't quite ready for the moment, and then they come back the following year, and they're fully seasoned, and they take it down. The Eagles are poised to be that team now because now they've, they've seen it all, right? Because there's no other explanation for that fumble. There's no other other than it was just the moment. It was a big moment, and the moment was maybe too big. And anyone that's, you know, been in a situation where they're about to like win a golf tournament and you just hook a drive out of bounds or you're about to win a tennis match and you double fault twice in a row and you're like, what is going on? That's what's going on. It's a mental game. All these sports that require all this precision, it's a mental game. When it's moving so fast, you forget sometimes. But I, I, that's got to be a fact. I mean, how could you just, whoop, like the ball just, whoop, like how? <laughs> Crazy. Dallas Goddard was up for the moment. That's the weird thing is like all these guys, with the exception of Quez Watkins, Quez Watkins hurt his, hurt his chances at being the number three wide receiver next year. Quez Watkins squeezes that ball where he laid out for it on that post corner, he squeezes that football, he probably is the, the number three receiver. There's no reason for them to invest in the receiver position in the offseason. They're like, oh, look at Quez was making plays. You know, he's stretching the field. We're good at wide receiver. Now it's like, we, we got to upgrade the old number three wide receiver position. It's just in that one moment, he squeezes the football, his life changes. Dallas Goddard had an opportunity to catch passes in traffic, to catch passes in huge moments, and he... he converted I mean, he was almost as impressive as Travis Kelsey only because Travis Kelsey was on the other side was he not the most impressive tight end on the field Dallas Goddard should have been the most impressive tight end on the field heading up and playing across from Kelsey six for seven 60 yards and these were tough catches these were clutch catches I was like you see this guy you see this guy my friends I'm like you see this guy Dallas Goddard he's real good he's my favorite to be the next you know breakout tight end you pick a pick a tight end it's going to enter the top three you got the right skill set, the right age, athletic profile, right team, Dallas Goddard. In this best ball draft, I drafted Hertz and Goddard. That was my stack. That's my only stack. The old Hertz Goddard stack. I got uh, Goddard in the seventh round. That's where you want to draft a tight end. Seventh round and make it Goddard. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, that's like seventh round Goddard and every other potential tight end you could draft at any given round is worse than 7th round Goddard. 7th round Goddard is best case scenario tight end draft pick in 2023. It's not just Quez Watkins. So I think Quez Watkins lost prestige. He lost team prestige, internal prestige. Miles Sanders lost a lot of money because not only was he outproduced significantly by Kenny Gainwell, when they did try to throw him a pass, it probably was a fumble. I know it wasn't a fumble. He didn't make enough of a football move. But that was on the borderline. That was 51-49, whether it was a fumble. And he took a huge shot. Like, he took huge punishment in that game. I felt bad for Miles Sanders. He lost probably $2 million, I would say. I would say that game cost Miles Sanders $2 million. That's the number I'm putting it, what he lost. Kenny Gainwell gained prestige. He gains well when he's running and catching the football. In this best ball draft, we're into the 13th round. He's still available. I want him. I was focused on rookies. I drafted Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller. 
So I unfortunately wasn't thinking about Kenny Gainwell. That wasn't my focus because in, in these best ball drafts, if you know the running backs that are going to get drafted in day two, you got to pound those guys, especially if they're big-time athletes, and Miller and Roshan are that. But I really want Gainwell, man. I want him. I mean, he's kind of the running back version of Gabriel Davis without the ADP pop. Gabriel Davis has you know a great run in the playoffs and then carries over that role, though much less efficient into the following regular season. And why can't Kenny Gainwell? Why not? NFL teams more and more want this Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, all-purpose, super-versatile satellite back plus as their starting running back because then you don't telegraph to the defense what your intentions are. It just makes sense. If I'm strategizing for a game, Kenny Gainwell is going to be my running back that I feature. But he has to avoid the Eagles drafting a running back on day two, signing one of these many running backs that can always bring back. The favorite move of teams that you're thinking are, are getting ready to let go of a particular uh, player is just bring them back. <laughs> like, inexplicably, like, I had no idea they were thinking about bringing him back. I, everything I heard was they were letting him go. They weren't interested. And then he then he comes back because he puts his toe in the water, doesn't get the offers that he and his agent are looking for, and then they come back and they sign the offer that was on the table from the original team. And that could happen with Miles Sanders. And then whoosh, right? Vaporized all this Kenny Gainwell potential. But if Miles Sanders leaves and they don't bring in a Josh Jacobs, a Damian Harris. I mean, there's just so many of these, right? David Montgomery, there's so many. But the reason why I'm hopeful for Gainwell is that we know that Howie Roseman is not interested in overpaying for running back at this point. The way they've been just churning through Jordan Howards and Boston Scotts and drafting Gainwell in round five, they may well draft a running back. They might just love this archetype and they might go for Tajay Spears or something. But, but if they draft Tajay Spears... I'm, I'm all about Gainwell. It's like, no, Gainwell has the experience. Similar players, similar skill sets, Gainwell has the experience. So there's a number of scenarios where you can see, okay, they go day three running back or, or they you know pick up some fringy free agent running back, but no one that is going to take Kenny Gainwell's role on this team, soaking up targets the way he does, and then also getting red zone touches. Oh, man, I want Kenny Gainwell in best ball. He's a much better value than, say, Isaiah Pacheco. In this draft, this slow draft that I'm in, this best ball draft, Pacheco, before the Super Bowl, right? This was before the Super Bowl. He was drafted before Damian Pierce and even before, like, Justin Fields. I mean, super early. Way, I don't remember the round. It was like, if Justin Fields, he must have been the fifth round. Just top of my head, it's got to be fifth round. Because I remember that was the most surprising pick. I was like, oh, really? Seventh round running back? Coming off a you know a, a relatively productive season, but not super involved in the passing game, and it doesn't have the draft capital protect him from the team drafting a running back on day two or bringing in a, who knows who knows they could. There's just a lot of quality running backs available in free agency. There's very few quality wide receivers. It's like Chark and Juju and. Paris Campbell. Then at running back, it's David Montgomery, it's Damian Harris, it's Miles Sanders, and it's David Montgomery. And there's a long list of players that could really overturn the apple cart on Isaiah Pacheco's potential. But I like him. He's explosive. He comes so close, tantalizingly close to long breakaway runs, 50 yards for a touchdown. 
he's had a nut. He had one of the Super Bowl. It was just, just so close. Just like oh, he was like oh, he was he was one fistful of jersey away. So oh, the Super Bowl. It was fun. I don't care about the concussions. I don't care about all the lost brain matter.